Mighty Ape is Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. With everything from movies, music, games, toys, books, hobbies and more, Mighty Ape is your one-stop shop for the things that matter most. They constantly have hot deals and exclusive promos. And if you visit their website on the click-through banner on fakechef.net's homepage, then your purchase will help support Good Movie Monday. Mighty Ape, Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. You mean to wish me a good morning? What do you mean that it is a good morning whether I want it or not? Please go away. Let me speak for the love of God. All right, boys. Stepping, stepping into this one hard. That's um. That's the sound of. Rummaging through a tool shit, I reckon. Just absorb that for a sec. Do you reckon you know what it is? Mmm. Is it? Is it? Is it a hip hop song? <laughs> no. New metal? Is it new metal? <laughs> it's it's metalish. It's metalish. It's actually mm. the um the title uh, intro music for the movie The Collector. Oh, The Collector, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, okay, that, cool. That's, I like which that is movie. that, that batshit yeah. crazy film that's basically Home Alone meets Saw. Loved Collector. Actually, that script was pitched as a prequel to Saw originally. Right. Yeah, no, it was good. Yeah, because it's the same screenwriters that did some of the Saw films. Yeah. Yeah, of course. But why why The Collector? Well, that's because we are all collectors and today we're going to be talking about movies that we recently collected. Mm. Uh, but first things first, I hope you're well. Welcome to another episode of Good Movie Monday, the weekly podcast presented by FakeShep.net, home of the nerdy cinematic ramblings. And when I say we are all collectors, I mean us. My name is Glenn Cochran, and I like to collect bouncy balls from coin slot machines. And of course, my co-host is the ever-reliable collector of fetish magazines, Ben Hellwig. Hey, mate. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm jugs. I'm as, I'm as good as jugs. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us once more live at the desk is Jarrett Garn, who collects spores, molds, and fungus. It's rad to have you here, mate. Thank you very much, and uh, I brought some samples to share with you later. <laughs> he's growing one in my belly button as we speak. <laughs> it's shaping up nicely, Ben. It's a, the, the smell is getting weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's funky. And thank you for listening. Good Movie Monday can be found wherever you get your podcasts from, platforms like Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, the iHeart Radio Network, amongst others. We have a bunch of important brands who support the show, and uh, they would be Eagle Entertainment, Umbrella Entertainment, The Lunar Driving, Astor Theatre, and Four Pillars Gin, who all provide us with products and services that you guys can enjoy via our giveaway. So keep listening because we have a mammoth giveaway for you later in the show. Another reason to keep listening is because we have our regular weekly updates from Screen Realm, the Sydney-based entertainment website, Adam Ross from the Australian Film Critics Association, and Bonehead Weekly the twangy stylings of the three Kentucky rednecks. Um, it's going to be a fun show, so let's jump straight into it. I collect spores, molds, and fungus. First, guys, before we talk about collecting and stuff like that, uh, it's been Who's out for. Died? <laughs> 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 no, well, we'll get to that too. But it, <laughs> so, what's been out for a few weeks that we haven't talked about yet is Zack Snyder's Justice League. I wanted to see if you guys have checked that out yet. I, um, admittedly, I know that it goes for like, I think four hours and yeah. twenty-four minutes or something. Yep. And I thought, wow, this is unprecedented. You've got a film that was released and then, you know, they've allowed the original director to go back, recut it, reshoot some stuff, release it. And I'm like, this is like the first time something like this has really ever happened. 
and I was kind of looking forward to watching it. But then I realized they had done it. They did it in 2004 with The Exorcist, The Beginning, and Dominion, a prequel to The Exorcist. <laughs> so what I did was, for the very first time ever, I watched both of the films back to back. I'd never seen them. 17 years later, I watched both of the films back to back. Very different films. Very different films. But admittedly, I actually quite enjoyed The Beginning more than Dominion. You like the Rennie Harlan The Rennie Harlan redo <laughs> I enjoyed more. But I did not I did like both of them, and I appreciated them for their own merits. And I actually think they're... Maybe 17 years has given a good passage of time. I do agree. I think they're quite good films. Like, they for are. what they are, they're pretty good. Except they're... for those hyenas in both versions. <laughs> yeah. They look terrible. <laughs> CGI central. Because they, they did it with Payback as well, but it was the same director. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true, yeah. They allowed him to go back and do it. Because Mel Gibson said, no, I don't want to kill the, the, fundamental the dog dif- dying. The fundamental it. difference yeah. here being $70 yeah. million dollars extra put into this, oh, right? Ridiculous. But what was that, just engraving and... No, they went back and no, no. filmed the film. Yeah, Maybe. no, no, they went oh, back they with the extras. It was like 90% of the film. Like, they brought Rennie Harlan in as a consultant. They said... No, 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 we're not talking about... Oh, we're talking about this? No, Snyder no. Snyder Cut. Well, oh, this, funnily enough, is exactly work. the same because they spent an extra... They spent $65 million on the beginning. And yeah, the, the, right. the other one was about 35 to $40 million. So it's a similar sort of, you know, precedent. Yeah, but, they, right. yeah, they brought Rennie Harlan back and said, what can we do to this movie? Oh, you know, what can we do to fix Paul Schrader's film? And he goes, Nothing. You need to reshoot the whole entire thing. Is he interested? And he goes, "Yeah, I'll do it." And then he said, "Yeah." So he shot ninety percent of it. Cost sixty five million dollars. Back anything these days? No, no, no. They're not beating down his door to direct episodes of CSI Miami. No, this and of course this is all post Cutthroat Island, where I don't know if he'd had a gig between Cutthroat Island and Exodus. The beginning. This was like supposed to be his kind of return. Yeah. So there you go. So that's what I watched instead of Justice League, but I've been meaning to do it. Have you watched it? I have watched it, and look, it is a fundamentally different film. It is much better. I still don't think it's particularly good. But right. it's easy to watch. It is easy to watch. Is it better than Batman versus Superman: Born oh, yes. Justice? Absolutely. Good. But what got me about this is that he filmed this for IMAX, right? So yes. instead, it's gone straight to streaming. But that means it's essentially in four point yeah. three ratio. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I feel like we've lost the image, like yeah. because you watch it and it's like, okay, this was like a VHS from the eighties. The yeah, you you want your your eyes want to fill the gap on the side. Yeah, you don't yeah. care about what's up at the top and bottom. No, no, of course. So yeah. it felt like a massive step backwards for this big budget film, yeah. and we get like a bloody pan scan. Well, I, I did read that he said he goes, oh well, I thought you know you look at someone like Superman, and he's towering, and you want to see all of him in frame, and I'm like. Just pull the camera back a few, <laughs> few inches, yeah. mate. Get, you can get yeah. more on the left and right, and you can get Superman from top to bottom. Dude, right? I like, was easy sold. I was fixated on that fact. Like yeah. I just couldn't comprehend why on yeah. screen we've got this, you know, four point three kind of ratio. It's just it's bewildering. It's bewildering because uh, it seems like academy ratio. It sounds like a Wes Anderson move. Three is academy ratio. Yeah, right. Pre, yeah, pre widescreen. Pre, yeah, yeah. I think they need to adopt, like you know, update those academy rules. Yeah, just a minimum of one seventy seven to one, and you know. Yeah. And yeah. down to 240. So, or you, you, know? you yeah, plus yeah. different ethnicities. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. But when I think back to 90% of the movies that I love, <laughs> I watch them all in 4 frame. Yeah, totally. Like, oh, yeah, I've of never course. Seen, yeah. I've never seen Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi, the original cuts. Yeah. Yeah. In anything but four three. Plus, what right, okay. like the original version? Yeah, like, yeah, of course. Plus, yeah, the yeah. only difference being, obviously, we love widescreen, but the yeah. widescreen difference is just space, right? Yeah. Because still, what you're watching is what would have been center of frame anyway. Of course, yeah, right? yeah. So yeah. It doesn't yeah. make a lot of difference. Like, like the um, was it the Umbrella release of Ambulance? They, oh, the Eric Roberts Ambulance. The yeah. Eric Roberts Larry Cohen film. They the print that they used, uh, they removed the gates. 
Oh, like they okay, had, yeah. So it's they, more information. They, full frame. Full frame. Yeah. yeah. So they hadn't gone back and actually put the... So you yeah. see stuff that you're not supposed to see yeah, in the top yeah. and of bottom course. of the frame that they never intended yes. you to see. Of course, yes. <laughs> but you're like, like watching it. And it was only... The first time I watched it, I didn't notice anything. Yeah, And yeah. then once I found that out, I was like, oh, really? I went back and watched it. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. oh, no, yeah. Like, this is quite distracting. Like, all this yeah. extra shit at the top and the bottom. Like, I'm just not used to it being there. Of course. Like, I remember watching these movies growing up as a kid on VHS where they were full frame and not pan and scan. Generally, comedies and that. And you would always laugh. Oh, the boom's in shot. Oh, there's a shadow. Oh, I can see, like, the edge of the set. <laughs> yeah. And he thought it was all, you know, this is all obviously a mistake. But the fact was it was full frame. It was never intended to be viewed to be that viewed, way. It was yeah. always going to be cropped down to theatrical ratio. Yep. But yeah, yeah. Well, but I don't know. Yeah, 4.3 is just bewildering. And the fact that I had to stream it through Binge, which I love Binge, but admittedly sometimes my stream buffers a bit. Yeah, right. So I'm like, oh, I might just wait for it to come out in 4K. Yeah. But I feel Look, like I should pay 20 bucks if they're only <laughs> going to give me 4.3. Like, I don't I mean, pay 30 man, bucks. The, the exposition is fantastic. Right, but, um, right. I'm, glad, I'm glad we sorted that out. <laughs> Excellent. Is there more Cyborg? Because, uh, you know... Yeah, he's got a backstory now. Okay, well, yeah. he'll be happy about that. Then. Yeah, he will. <laughs> he can, all he of can those back minor, from Josh Whedon for a bit. All of those minor characters have backstories. Right, right. And it's broken into six parts. Like okay. it's, it's four hours long in six parts, but um, right. anyway, it sounds very art housey. Four, three, right. and it's broken into six chapters. It runs for four hours and twenty four <laughs> minutes. I just want, rather watch Dawn of the Dead again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. I'll watch Sucker like, Punch probably one more time before I get I, to the sun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, uh, one thing we've kind of adopted on this show is the Celebrity Death Watch, which I believe was coined by you, sir. Yeah, yeah. No, it might have been. It right? used to be a respectful segment. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're, still, we're still we're sitting here waiting for Betty White. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this segment is just is just yeah. a ticking clock for, for you, Betty. <laughs> <laughs> I know you listen to the show. So it's a long I, weekend. We don't have to do much of a whip around. The only person I can tell that has passed away was mm. uh, Larry McMurtry, the um the author of Lonesome Dove and Last Picture Show, Terms of Endearment, Brokeback Mountain. Wow! Wow! Yeah, eighty four years old. Wow! So you know he was he was at that end. Yeah. So not a shock, but sad, not nevertheless. But um, is it because of the COVID vaccine? <laughs> no, but like people's skin uh, are starting to flay, and you know people's starting to. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, I know in vaccine. Victoria or in yeah. Melbourne at least, they're they're doing they're making the AstraZeneca vaccine in Parkville and Broadmeadows, and that's in Broadmeadows is where they make the best ice in Victoria. Also, <laughs> so I just hope they don't mix them up and that's end up giving they... ice to the oldies, and <laughs> we just got like you know. Urban crime committed by the elderly. It's, no, I think it's, it's a sign that everyone is committed to getting past, getting through this pandemic. They've converted yeah. the ice labs <laughs> yes, to yes. AstraZeneca labs. Yes, They're like, yes. it's just guys yeah. in uh, gumboots and aprons. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> There's I, RVs I, in yeah. every neighbourhood. Yeah. I can kind of see that scene from um, New Jack City where you've got all the topless women that are doing the co- yeah. making the cocaine, but they're making all the AstraZeneca vaccine. That's right. They're Beautiful. also wearing gloves. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. and masks, of yeah. course. Though they're having a bit, they're having problems because you have to keep it under a certain temperature. Yeah. Whereas the cocaine can be can be cut in heat, so the yeah. nudity is is okay. Whereas yeah. these got like they're, they're it's like they're freezing. Cold storage. Yeah, yeah, but they've got to be naked because they you know, just in case they try and smuggle some out. Of course, of course. Well, <laughs> so anyway, the uh, the the theme of this <laughs> this episode is collections and recent yes. purchases and things like that. Uh, I was looking online at things people collect and back scratches and umbrella covers and sugar really? packets. Really? People and collect the back scratches? Yeah. Um, banana stickers? 
Bananas the stickers that go on bananas, Jeez, but not the apple wow. ones, just the banana yeah, ones. Yeah, just the banana ones. Yeah. I like that they're so specific. Yeah. Just the bananas. That's right. Yeah. So I think we're on the cool side of the collectors. When Back we... scratches. Yeah. Can you imagine how cumbersome <laughs> it would be to collect those things? They take up a lot of room. Yeah. You know, a lot of room. I kind of feel like as the PE teacher of mm. this uh, show that you've mm. got an advantage on <laughs> an advantage <laughs> on us here. The upper hand. Oh, um, Lord. Anyway, I get gifted stuff more than anything. So perhaps why don't we just start with one of our most recent purchases, talk about them for a little bit, and then we can throw it over to Guillermo before we dive into the rest. I'll go first. Um, I was recently um, gifted the Akira 4K, uh, which hasn't quite been released yet, but I had to write an article for it. So I was gifted that. It's a delicious little package. Like this film has been given the, the... re-release treatment yeah. many times over but it's never looked better yeah. um it's got a nice little case it's got a booklet with you know full production information and interviews that have never been done before but akira is such a great film do you oh, guys love yeah, it yeah yeah i look i don't like many anime movies in this day and age but akira is still up there as you know it it, it i think it transcends so anime and is uh, like a film on its own. I yeah. think it's fantastic. Particularly the final act is like batshit oh. crazy, and it's sort of yeah. it's about a hundred films you can identify within that you no know, twenty minutes of a film. Yeah. But um, that's the most recent one I've been gifted, and um, yeah, definitely if you're into anime, it's it's worth picking up. I've got to get that Madman's putting it out. I mean, it's a bit pricey, but look, it, like if you and say it is, the package it is, is amazing. Well, it is, but but it is pricey for what you get. You know, yeah. like it, it's stuff that's been on previous releases, and then I think most of the additional stuff is obviously the four K aspect. Yeah. Plus yeah. the booklet. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you're a fan and, and you haven't already got it, and definitely do. But, yeah, um, I think it's definitely worth an upgrade. All right. Well, you're... it's 4K. If it's got Dolby Atmos, I'm, I'm in. Well, you know, you just <laughs> have to... Yeah. The quality of the film matters not. No, I, I can't <laughs> no, hear the words. I can't hear the words Dolby Atmos without thinking of this motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> I bought shit that I wouldn't have even looked at on Blu-ray. Had a, you know, but now it's got Dolby Atmos. I'm like, okay, sure, I'll give it another shot. 300? Sure, I'll give it another shot. How bad can it be? Oh, that's not oh. bad. But the sound is amazing. <laughs> so, Jared, you're up next. What do you got? All right. Well, the first one I want to talk about briefly is Tales of the Uncanny. Now, this is a documentary we played at Monster Fest last year. And it's uh, directed by David Gregory, who runs Severin Films and produced by Kayla Janice, who used to be one of our festival directors at Monsterfest many years ago. Beautiful thing about this documentary is it was completely shot and produced during COVID. Yep. So a lot of the interviews have all been done via Zoom. There's some studio shot stuff because it was initially going to be a bonus feature on one of their anthology releases. I can't remember. I think it might have been The Uncanny. Uh, and then they kind of realized that they had more to work with and they weren't going to be releasing in a hurry. So they went, well, let's take full advantage of this pandemic and we'll talk to as many people as we can, whether they're like film scholars, filmmakers. I mean, they, there's so many people interviewed. But in their this. face is on screen. Their face is on screen. Because I, I watched yeah. the Belushi documentary the other day and yes. there's no one on screen. It's like it's the supersonic documentary where yeah. it's all just uh, audio archive stuff. Yeah, I know. This it's all a phone interview. way to do well, a documentary. Seen, have you seen that You Don't Know Me? The... I've got it. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. It's an excellent doco all on, on Showgirls. Yeah. It's a Talking Heads doco with no Talking Heads. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's kind of the Belushi one. It's all clips yeah. from the film yeah. with people talking over it. But you, yes. you never once do you see any of the Same. people that, actually yeah. talking. Yeah. That annoys me a little bit. But you get no, these works, ones on Zoom. It works really yes, well. Yes, these ones, these ones are. The, the funny thing is Brian Trenchard Smith pops in there and I think he has probably the worst internet connection of everybody. His is well, we like, know that for a fact. Yeah, we do. For having done the <laughs> uh, I can't remember. Yeah. Does he plug his book? 
No, because uh, his, book, his book hadn't come <laughs> out at the time, so he doesn't get to mention Benches in a B-movie train. <laughs> but we just mentioned it for you then, Brian. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, but it's a solid doco, and the beauty thing, uh, the beautiful thing about this Severn release is it actually has two bonus films on there. So one of the earliest anthology horrors from 1919, a German one, I can't pronounce the title, I'm not even going to begin to, and then a French one from 1949, Unusual Tales. Oh, Eerie Tales, sorry, is the German one. That's the translation. Um, so you don't only just get the documentary, you get the bonus films as well. But I really enjoyed it. I mean, you know, yes, you have to sort of be forgiving of the quality of the interviews, you know, the technical quality That's of them, okay. but the information's fantastic. Yeah. And the, the thing I wanted to do immediately after watching it was track down every one of those movies. And thankfully, there's quite a bit of them on, like, Prime, you know, so I didn't have to go too far. <laughs> um, but it, do- it documents everything. I mean, you're obviously cool. going to touch on Creepshow and Tales from the Dark Side and things of like that, but... It really delves to some more obscure made-for-TV stuff and that. But yeah, and what was it called again? Tales of the Uncanny, the ultimate survey of anthology horror. And that's it. It's more of a survey documentary mm. than it is, you know, let's explore the origins. Although they do. It's a shame yeah, for the people listening really that we don't cool. film this I know, I like, show I'm just showing you guys, you guys have bought, you, We've all got our <laughs> yeah. movies here and we're holding them up you know, for each other. But um, yeah. Ben, you're up. Uh, okay, well, first, I guess I will talk about uh, Certain Fury. Uh, which is a Canadian film from 1985. I watched. I watched this again. Like I, I've had the VHS for a while, but I just got the um, Kino Lorber uh, Blu-ray, and I watched it the other night. And I put up without any indication as to what the movie was. I just put up the opening scene, like the first, like a minute from one of the op- the opening scene on Instagram, and I was inundated with messages of people going, "What the hell is this movie?" <laughs> yeah. It's got a cool cover. It does have a cool cover. It stars Tatum O'Neill and Irene Cara. And the, I think the promotion, the marketing at the time was that two Oscar winners in a... Uh, <laughs> in this era. And of course, Tatum O'Neill had, had won an Oscar for, for Paper Moon when she was like yeah. seven or eight. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. <laughs> Irene Cara won it for best song in, in Flashdance. Wow. Not for acting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, that was the, the marketing. And, and funnily enough, Irene Cara has, does have a nude scene in the film, which is quite odd and it, like totally gratuitous particularly when right. you know her for an academy award from when she was very young no no oh, sorry no oh, Ari Cara, Cara. Not, yeah. uh, but this movie is actually directed by Stephen Gyllenhaal father of uh, Maggie oh, and uh, wow and Jake and the it, it is look it is a, an unfortunate film because the opening there's a the movie starts with them uh, they've all been they're like a a kind of reform school kind of, a, a, prison bus rocks up to the courthouse right, right. and it's all full of these uh, women prisoners who are who are getting there having their kind of their first it's the kind of the first they've been held in detention it's the first court case they're hearing to see what's going to what's going to happen with them and so they all get kind of trundled into the into the courtroom scene and the first girl up starts singing and the judge is trying to tell her to stop and uh, she's like he's like you know bailiff can you go and can you keep her quiet the bailiff walks over to her and she pulls a knife out of nowhere and slashes Whoa. his throat. Whoa. And it's this old, like the bailiff is like this 80-year-old guy. Wow. Slices his throat, grabs his gun, and it is on. Like wow. Like there's one of the most brutal courtroom massacre scenes. I thought that was going in the direction that he got up and sung with her. <laughs> <laughs> I was just hoping no one was going to get raped. Yes, I was like, this well. is going to be really bad. Where's this going? This is going to be horrible. There this sounds a, amazing. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it, it, it is great. Like yeah. the, the opening scene is great. And they, the, the, the girls who do it look uh, like, a, or can be described because everyone in the court is killed. Mm. So there's no survivors to say who the guilty parties were. They just see 
So the only people who kind of escape are the two killers uh, and Irene Carr and Tatum O'Neill. And right. they all go on the run. And first, the two killers actually end up being killed by the cops, but at different times by different cops right. who don't know the other one has been killed. So that they are con- convinced that it's Tatum O'Neill and Irene oh, Carr. Yeah, right. And Irene Carr is kind of like a rich girl who's just, you know, going into a bit of trouble after her mum dies and Tatum O'Neill is this street rat. Yeah. And kind of drug dealer. And then... Peter Fonda comes into it and Moses Gunn and there's all this kind of stuff. And the, but the rest of the movie is quite a disappointment. And he even to the point where there's a lots of other kind of opportunities for gratuitous violence that happens off screen. Like he doesn't yep. shoot and you're like, but like, and like a lot of, they use the N word a lot. <laughs> right. In, right. In this. And like, there's a lot of kind of, you know, dicey stuff. Of its time. That is of its time. Yeah. 1985, that kind of stuff was okay, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, or not in Canada yeah in Canada in Canada it was okay but it, it's just really weird it's just like it's like they had this great idea for the start of the film and then that was it like right, so whoever right. pitched whoever mm. pitched the idea was like no this happens and then they just escape and he's like well okay but we need to make 90 minutes out of this so yeah, what yeah. you described this and it's like they just come up with something so it's, yeah. it's, it is unfortunate Peter Fonda like he was obviously just there for a day Right. <laughs> like, he's doing an Eric Roberts job, yeah. Yeah, you know, and uh, what's his name? Nicholas Campbell, who is in a lot of Canadian kind of TV shows. Like he's mm. now he's like a, he's much older now. He's in his would be in his sixties or seventies. He's in everything, playing like either the kind of the sheriff, the retired sheriff, or the main character's dad, or like the drunk who lives in a caravan. Like he's in. Wow. Everything because yep. everything is shot in Canada now. He is in literally everything. Well, wow, I, I do. Wow. I do want to see it just for the yeah. courtroom scene alone. Um, I'm if, sold on the artwork. For yeah. It. Um, <laughs> for you guys that are listening at home, it's trapping you in for a long one. We're already 20 minutes into this, and we haven't even thrown to our first segment. This is normally where we would throw to you, Jarrett, uh, in yep. lieu of your PE segment. Do mm. you want to run through any new releases? Look, yeah, I will. I'll, I'll. What I'll do is I'll condense it right down, and I'll only talk about the really maybe just key name ones. them. We don't even have. To okay. Them. Yeah. Well, Umbrella releasing Stone to Blu-ray as part of their. Osbletation mm. Classics. Now it's decked out with special features. Got a 4K, you know, new scan that was overseen by Sandy Harbour before his passing. And it actually features uh, the soundtrack as a bit of a limited edition as well. Brilliant. They're also releasing The Cook, The Wife, The Thief, The Bloody Lover and Michael Dudikoff, as I like to say. Yeah. Um, that's coming out on Blu-ray and DVD. That's part of, on Blu-ray, part of their Beyond Genres series. Big Night's coming out on Blu-ray, Mate, which I know you're excited about. I love it. Went to the movies and <laughs> saw that. Went theatrically. I can't believe that movie got a theatrical release. Yeah. yeah well, I think it's it was huge when it came out. Like, it did big box because office. Because it announced yeah. it announced yeah. Stanley Tucci and what's the other guy? Campbell Scott. Campbell Scott as yeah. the next big thing. Yes. Like, it, they no, were very it's much... Name, isn't it? it's, it's Stanley Tucci and uh, Monk. Whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah, Tony Shalom. No, but they, no, but these no, but other Campbell two Scott, made the film. They, yeah, they, they, oh, right. they wrote and directed it. Yeah. Um, but then Stanley Tucci would spend the next twenty years doing bit parts. Uh, well, um, but also, that's fine. But also you know. because oh, yeah, ever increasing, uh, ever yeah, increasing. But at that yeah. point in time, everything yeah. was Tarantino, Tarantino, and True. then suddenly it was this new wave of different yeah. filmmakers. Yeah, you know? cut through. But I'm yeah. excited about them when the the final drive-in Delirium's coming out on Blu-ray called The Final Chapter. But is it? Uh, I think it might I think be. It I no, think it is. We know the guys, and they. I think they're tapped. I think they're just done. They're tapped. Yeah. Because <laughs> a lot of the tra- a, lot, oh. a lot of people don't know. It's not like yeah. they are waiting for HD versions of these trailers to come yeah. out to compile them. Yeah. A lot of the time, the HD versions don't exist. They don't. Yeah. The trailers, and they they are going shot for shot. Yes. And recutting 
and yeah. Re- yeah. recreating. And sometimes, like if you actually go back and watch the actual original trailer, mm. it is slightly different because a lot of the time when they make trailers, yes. they use uh, footage before the final finish yeah. film is is cut. Sure. So there's like different alternate they, shots. They use alternate you know, shots and stuff. Things so. that were in the trailer that didn't end up in the feature. Yeah, yeah. But Which, they do go to the effort of doing all the you know optical graphics of the titles and everything. So cool. replicating that titles. aspect of yeah. it. Awesome. Time consuming. Um, Roadshow's putting out Promising Young Woman on Blu-ray and DVD. Very excited about that. It was one of my favourite films of late last year, early this year. Uh, Universal Sony Pictures Home Entertainment putting out Let Him Go, which I actually quite dug. Kevin Costner, Diane Lane. Yep. Pretty cool film. And look, that to be honest, that is the cream of the crop in terms of releases. There's Defiant actually putting out a real unsung gem from last year called Hunter Hunter, and that's only coming out on DVD. And that one's got Devin Sawa in it. It's actually yeah. a really good role for him as well. Two more I can uh, add to that. that yes, I what else is coming out? Smiley Face Killers, which is the Brett Easton Ellis wrote that one. Yeah, like, oh, really? wrote a screenplay for it. Wow, I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah, right. And uh, this one, just because of the title, uh, yeah. A Werewolf in England. I saw, I saw <laughs> that one pop up. Yep. Where's, he, where's he from, though? <laughs> where's the werewolf from? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, they like, always have to come yeah. from somewhere else. Is he a they? yank? <laughs> is, he a, is he an American werewolf? <laughs> yeah. Or is, American? He a, is he a French, French no, vampire? He's like, no, he's yeah. a werewolf. It's, it's the perfect marketing you must watch to find out. <laughs> yeah, of course. There you go. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check out. I actually do want to check out both of those titles. So. Yeah. Speaking of hairy creatures, here's Guillermo from Screen Realm. What's happening, everybody? It's Guillermo here again from ScreenRealm.com, Australia's favourite entertainment website covering all things movies and television. Happy to be back on Good Movie Monday. I'm going to talk, first of all, about Godzilla vs. Kong. My review is up on the website right now. I gave it three and a half out of five stars. I really had a good time with it. It's a fun monster flick, and it basically says what it's going to do on the cover. Unlike films like, say, Batman v Superman, which had around seven-something minutes, of Batman actually versing Superman. Godzilla vs. Kong has Godzilla vs. Kong on a huge scale. It's a massive film. It's dumb as hell as well. It's really, really silly. And unfortunately, the characters are really under underwritten and there's so many plot turns where you're just going to be like what the hell but like i wrote in my review you're going to be saying what the hell but you'll have a big smile on your face as you do the cg mastery on display is undeniable both godzilla and kong are more emotive than they have ever been previously their expressiveness stopping just before they like actually speak the vfx creations are wonderful and importantly convincing and despite the shortcomings when it comes to character some of that dialogue and how those people are maneuvered through the plot godzilla vs Kong manages to be nevertheless a kick-ass monster flick. The action reaches appropriately jaw-dropping levels of insanity and the technical wonders are fine-tuned for the maximum impact. See this one on the big screen or on the biggest screen and best sound system you have during this time. Three and a half out of five stars. You can check the full review out of Screen Realm. Moving on to a couple of quick news stories, an adaptation of shooter video game franchise Sniper Elite is on the way. On board to direct the film is Brad Payton, whose credits include Dwayne Johnson, Disaster Movie San Andreas, and Monster Movie Rampage. Payton is also set to pen the screenplay with Gary Graham, who has written a still unproduced spec script titled A Garden at the End of the World, and he's also behind a planned reboot of Will Smith's film I Am Legend. As reported by Variety, the plot will follow an elite allied sniper, Carl Furban, engaged in a cat and mouse chase through the streets of London at the height of the Blitz during World War II as he tries to save British Prime Minister Winston Churchill from a Nazi assassin. The film has been described as something between a Sherlock Holmes movie meets a born identity thriller, which is a combo that producer Jean Julian Baronet says will make it stand apart from a film like Enemy at the Gates. 
and two sequels count them two sequels to whodunit hit knives out are heading to netflix thanks to a huge deal the streaming giant has paid a whopping 400 million dollars plus to land the rights to two sequels to knives out the 2019 hit directed and written by ryan johnson netflix took on other streamers to lock in the follow-ups making it among the most lucrative movie deals in streamer history daniel craig will be back as benoit blanc the detective who was looking into the mysterious death of a wealthy patriarch in the first film ryan johnson will return to direct and produce the next two films with producing partner Ram Bergman returning as well. Knives Out was a big hit earning over 311 US million worldwide from a budget of around 40 million. Casting on the still untitled Knives Out 2 is about to kick off with filming set to begin in Greece on June 28th so stay tuned on that one. When it comes to this week's theme, recent movie purchases, I'm afraid that I am pretty much out of this one. I, I can't remember the last film I even bought. I've been streaming everything and running a website. You know, you get sent stuff. Okay, well, maybe I got sent something cool. Let me have a look back here. Uh, just looking at the shirt that's near my desk. I got given a Godzilla shirt at the premiere of Godzilla vs Kong. I'm, I'm really lame. I really need to buy more physical copies of stuff. I've got a huge collection of Blu-rays and DVDs, but I haven't actually bought one in ages. This just made me realize that. Now I feel terrible. What right do I have in earning a movie website? Anyway, everyone go check out ScreenRealm.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that jazz. And we also have April streaming schedules for Netflix, Stan, Bin, Shutter, all that. Bookmark all our pages. See you later.
There is another clanky song for you all. I've been looking for an excuse to put some Nine Inch Nails on the show, and uh, that was The Collector from the With Teeth album. Of course, the title related to today's theme. Uh, before that was Guillermo from Screen Realm. We love that guy. He's cooler than cool accent, and... Um, that was a good segment from him this week. You can visit Screen Realm at ScreenRealm.com. Um, visit their social media pages. They've got good shit, so support them and uh, what they do. Uh, because in turn, they support us. Guys, back to the recently purchased mm. movies. Let's um, bump the next one off from our piles. Jared, do you want to scrape the surface? Yeah, look, I've got uh, Satan's Blood that recently came out on Vinegar Syndrome in the US. This is a Spanish horror, and it's directed by Carlos Puto, I think is his surname. Anyway, this is, this is an interesting film. I had never seen it prior to this Vinegar Syndrome release. It has been out before on DVD. And it's it's really odd. It's like a, you know, like a satanic kind of cult thriller. And it's just so odd in that characters do things that you go that that seemingly would never happen. And it's it's a bit absurd at times, but for everything that's kind of like that just makes you scratch your head, it makes up in atmosphere it is such an atmospheric and eerie fucking movie i watched the first 20 odd minutes of it and i was like oh, i'm not too sure about this and then i sunk right into it and after it finished i i actually watched it without the wife because i knew it was going to have some gratuitous sex and i was like oh look maybe i'll let her sit this one out and then i finished <laughs> Aren't it you decent and then I, said, and then I went back i think i went upstairs and i said geez that's spanish film it ended up being really good and she goes of course you watched the good one without me how many bad ones have I had to watch that you said, I don't know, I don't know which way it's going to go, and it never goes good. But yeah, Satan's Blood, it's Vinegar Syndrome, so they do a 4K restoration of like the original camera negative, and it looks much better than it should. It looks better than studio films, and this movie's from like the late 70s. But um, yeah, it's a really it's a really underrated gem. How so, was the uh, gratuitous sex? Uh, well, it was pretty good. There was full frontal nudity on both halves, so they, you, know, you saw a bit of dong, you saw a bit of bush. Um, it was the 70s, so it was very bushy. Um, there was, but it was a lot of nudity. To be fair, uh, yeah, I think you would have loved it. <laughs> his bush should have covered his dog. It should have been, yeah. It'd be like a. a it was a snake poking out of the bushes. <laughs> a Velcro tussle session, essentially. Yes. Ben, I really recommend it. Ben, have you seen that Satan's Blood? Because if you, no, haven't, haven't. you haven't, that's an immediate purchase for you. Great I reckon you're man. really going to enjoy it. Yeah, All right. yeah. You'll have to tack it onto your uh, next. Yes, my next Vinica syndrome, syndrome order for, for you. I will. I will. <laughs> this is like a love fest, Ben. You're up next. Uh, I mentioned it on last week's show when uh, the wedding episode when you mentioned the film Tag and I did say I had just got <laughs> Tag the Assassination Game uh, on VHS because I don't think it's had any I, other I don't. I don't think it's don't had think a DVD it's, release. I don't think it's yeah. ever come out on DVD. He's brought it along so he can show all the listeners the video cover. The video cover. <laughs> <laughs> which, which I haven't bothered to clean up so it still has its $3.95. It's, a, um, it's a dusty But I dare say you paid a bit more yeah. than 3 95 for it, yeah? I didn't pay that much for it, I don't think. Like... 20, 30 bucks. Oh, like that's not, that's pretty good. It wasn't too bad for a VHS tape these days. On yeah, eBay. and in that kind of condition, nice. Um, with a lovely clam that's relatively undamaged. You can hear it. Listeners can, can yeah. hear it. You can hear it. That's it squeaking. squeaky. The, uh, it's tight. The seal is tight on uh. that clam. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's really, he's turning <laughs> the listeners on. <laughs> tight like a seal. This is a... <laughs> Teenage Ben's parents would have been familiar with this sound if they ever walked past his. Uh, oh, his he's bedroom. watching Tag again. <laughs> I told you not to come in my room when I'm watching Tag. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, and this is—I'm uh, not sure what. When was it? 
I'm not sure what the year was that this came out, but uh, 82. But there was mm. a, around that time, there were a lot of tag related um, mm. kind of movies. It must have been a, a craze that swept yeah. mainly uh, college campuses and stuff. Yes. There was Gotcha as well. With, I love Gotcha uh, with Anthony Edwards great. and Linda Fiorentino. Linda Fiorentino. Oh. But that ha- that uh, that uh, was much bigger in scope because they much he, bigger. He ends up going to like a they go West, to East Germany. East Germany, <laughs> yeah, oh, they go everywhere, all over Europe. <laughs> this one is set purely in a, in a college campus and where they've got this um, game of tag run by this really kind of shonky character. But um, uh, Robert Carradine is uh, is tasked with uh, he's a journalist on the on the college newspaper and he's they wanted to do a story on it and he's been rejecting it for a while but then he spots uh, Linda Hamilton who is one of the kind of main players of the game and he kind of immediately uh, you know his pants get tight so he agrees <laughs> to do it and 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 follows her around but uh, during the, during like the first round of this game the the um, the guy who's been the champion um, for the last like three years who's obsessed with the game and it's the guy from Bruce Abbott from Reanimator. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 cool. Um, in a really weird role. Like he's right. traditionally like a super good looking lead. Cool guy. Yeah, a guy. Bruce Campbell this, type. Yeah, yes. and in this he's playing like the pasty faced kind of slightly unhinged And nerd. Robert Carradine's the cool one, yeah? And Robert Carradine is the cool <laughs> That's one. That's so surreal. Two years later, he wasn't so cool. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Haven't you seen Nerds 3? He's very yeah, cool. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> or the, that, that, what's that? Is that the one where they're old? Yeah, he's got and a ponytail. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's the made-for-TV one, yeah? yeah? Yeah, number three and four. Yeah. Uh, with, um, what's his name? Jefferson from uh, Married <laughs> with Children. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> But he gets knocked out by accident. This uh, one of the his because every round you kind of just get assigned the person who your versus, and then at the end of the round you submit who who won that round, and then uh, yep. you, there's a chart and you sounds go. Sounds fantastic. And, down. and yeah. the first guy that he's up against uh, accidentally falls over, and his gun hits the ground and shoots Bruce Abbott. So he's out in the first round. Right. But he because he's so obsessed and insane, then he actually refutes this and actually kills. The Bruce guy, Abbott. Bruce Abbott kills the guy. Oh, Bruce that, Abbott that kills killed him. him, right? And then he realizes that there's like that's just what he's going to do. Yes. And so he spends the whole game killing all of the contestants that he's kind right. of up against, and no one else is really aware of this until kind of like halfway through, where Linda Hamilton like opens a closet door and literally finds a stack of mutilated bodies. That's on the back of the VHS cover. <laughs> that's a sell for me. Yeah. Tell um, me this though. This is obviously a film they can't make this day and age. Yeah. You got a college shooter, campus shooter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not allowed. And right. it's actually it's directed by Nick Castle. This is his first film. Wow. Nick Castle's yeah. first film before Last Starfighter and Boy Who Could Fly. And well, that's that's yeah. on my list now. Yeah. For sure. It just sounds great. You got to borrow this VHS. It's the last I copy of it in the world. <laughs> yeah. I do believe you can watch it on YouTube. I think it is, yeah, you're right. I'm pretty sure it is on YouTube. YouTube yeah. comes to my rescue all the time. Yeah. Uh, so like you guys, I like to raid the op shops, um, you know, buying some you know, thrifty things. And for people overseas that don't know what an op shop is, it's a thrift shop. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to sort of do things a little bit differently here. At the end of the show, I'm going to get you guys to run through the rest of what you've got. Right, I'll okay. do it now just so that I can save time then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so some that I picked up were Legal, Eagle, Legal Eagles. Oh, Legal oh, yes. Yeah, Ben and I uh, had a mission for that, and we bought it overseas yeah. in Texas multiple times. And we, did, I didn't get to watch it. And I watched it while you. I went to I went to the festival we were there for. Ben stayed home and watched Legal Eagles. We're a fantastic fest. They're going to fantastic fest to watch new movies. I'm like, I'm yeah. not interested in this. I'm just going to watch Legal Eagles. Michael Helms laughed at us, but years later, I'd pick it up for a dollar, and I would watch it. Well, I, I picked it up for three. Um, <laughs> yeah, also, uh, the Doctor. 
Doctor. The Doctor with yeah. William Hurt. Yes. One of my favourite films. Yep. I fucking um, love that movie. You can see there's a theme here at this particular oh, shop yeah. because then I picked up Dying Young. And then oh, I, I love Dying Young. And then I, of course you do. And then Campbell, I picked up, Campbell Scott. Yeah, then I picked Campbell up Wit. Again. Wit, which is the one where Emma Thompson's dying of cancer. So oh, there's like, shit, you found Wit. I Wit. did. Oh, that's a good score for three bucks. I would have paid eight. Someone has an erection over here. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's hit op shop gold. I can't, I'm going to make eye contact with you. because <laughs> He's lost all respect for me after okay, I'm like dying my, young with Julia Roberts and Gamble Scott. Right. Okay, let's see how flaccid we can make him now. So um, <laughs> then I picked up the changeling. Uh, I picked up where he goes. Which changeling? The George T. George Scott? George T. Scott one. Oh, classic. Uh, he's hard. Uh, I then I don't mind the Clint Eastwood one. Well, I got. I Hang haven't up. seen it. Danny watched it without me. And I also to picked watch up Hangem High as well. So there's an Eastwood one yeah, for you. Nice. Where Eagles Dare. There's another one. Haven't seen it. Um, it oh, what's that? Not too long ago. That's picked great up movie. Booksmart on Blu-ray. Um, which oh, I didn't enjoy I, that. One. Well, I wasn't going to yeah. buy that one for anything more How than much? five dollars. I got it for three bucks. Three bucks on Blu-ray. Good yeah, score. I did enjoy the film. Yeah. yeah, I liked it. Um, yeah. The original Failsafe. Uh, oh yep, yep. Not the one with Ryan Reynolds. From Made for TV, Ryan Reynolds fail safe. Ryan Reynolds fail safe. Yeah, yeah. There's one there, and and we you don't saw... mean the George Clooney one, do no, you? No, the George Clooney one we saw yesterday on VHS, and we threw away. That was the most, that was the one that was broadcast live. They yeah, did it all in real time. It's yeah. a great one. No, there's another one just by title yeah. called Fail Safe with Ryan Reynolds. Came out on Magna Pacific, the DVD. All right, uh, then the apartment, <laughs> Cadillac Man. The apartment, the Jack Lemmon apartment. Yes, really fucking love it. Ah, uh, two more. Oh, three more. But I'm gonna hang ask... on. What was that middle one? Cadillac Man. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Robin guy. Williams, <laughs> Tim Robbins, what and a movie! Uh, I mean, I don't want to far bit from me to act towards stereotype, but I do believe you get to see Frendrich's boobies in that. I'm pretty sure you do too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the nanny. <laughs> <laughs> then I got the long kiss goodnight. Chefs do that. Chefs do that. Yes. <laughs> and you're grounded. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Bonfire of the Vanities. <gasps> Bonfire of the Vanities. We threw that out yesterday. But I reckon that's a, a really underrated <laughs> Brian De Palma film. I've even read the book, The Devil's Candy, which is all about the making of that movie and how much of a major I just love the fact was. that we've got listeners with yeah. no context when he says, we threw that out yesterday. <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah. Ben and I did a VHS hunt yesterday and we came across 2,000 tapes, of which we kept maybe just over 100. Um, we won't we won't go through the specifics of how we disposed of the tapes, but I will say we yeah we got rid of about nineteen well yeah, yeah. what one thousand nineteen hundred tapes. Oh Jesus! Yes, yes. Well, the one I'm gonna stop on because it's mm. Easter. I picked up Resurrection, nineteen ninety nine film directed by Russell Malachi, starring mm. um Christopher Lamb Christophe Lambert, Christophe Lambert. Yes, the blind man. And it only occurred to me. Now that it, it's like an Easter film, yeah, like I've never. No, we do all these festive films. We talk about Christmas True. films and Easter. You always come up with Critters too. It's the one that Critters you always two. come up with. Peter you know. Rabbit now, uh, yeah, Peter Kiel Rabbit too. Uh, yeah, that too. But <laughs> Resurrection. It's all about rebuilding the body yeah. of Christ. Um, I love this film. I have loved it since it got released, and it's sort of one of those films off the back of Seven that was a clone movie. Mm. But as I was telling you guys earlier, I think it kind of holds up much better than Seven in the context of just you know twenty or something years have gone by. Yeah, yeah. and it doesn't fall victim to the style of the 90s. Right. Seven right. does. Like st- Seven's still a superior film. It's yeah. a much better film. Yeah. But so is there a head in the box? Is <laughs> 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 you... Paltrow's head in a box at the end of Resurrection? Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah, okay. hell, but nobody's <laughs> been, has nobody's been cancelled? <laughs> if you haven't seen Seven by now, it's your own fault. No one's Sorry. been cancelled in Resurrected, if I'm correct. But, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. 
because he's yeah. the villain. Okay, yeah, well, that's you're, true. You're yeah. allowed to play the villain in right, film yes. if you're some kind of a course. Well, talk about a cast, though, because <laughs> other than Lambert, you've got um, Leland Order, who is also um, in... Is it Leland Order? I don't think that's his surname. Leland Orsa. Orsa. Yeah, Orsa. from Seven. He was also in The Bone Collector, so he was kind oh, of wow, running yeah. and very bad things. He was running that sort of dark, yeah, you know, yeah, gauntlet yeah. at the time. Uh, David Cronenberg's in it. He plays the priest. Oh, shit. I yeah. remember that. And he's the only other movie movies he were in were Nightbreed and uh, Jason X. Yeah, well. Yes. And Trial by Jury <laughs> with Amanda <laughs> Sate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the newsroom. The newsroom uh, movie. Well, with oh, Resurrection. Or... No, no, no. no. <laughs> I was like, was he in that? No, no, no. You remember that? There was that Canadian TV show called The Newsroom? Yeah, it was like uh, Frontline. Frontline, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was like right. A, you know, David, it's an episode where the nuclear power plant yeah, yeah. that's just like 10 miles up the road from this news station is going into meltdown and everyone's evacuating. Yeah, yeah. And uh, David Cronenberg's the guest on the show. I was gonna, he's playing himself, isn't he? He's playing yeah, himself. Yeah, he's I have seen this. Yeah. yeah, he's supposed yeah. to be there for, um, I think, Crash. And he's like, Look, right. I'm here to talk about my film Crash. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to talk about Scanners. Yes, like, yes, I do remember this. Yeah. And then literally they come on air. The guy's like, the guy turns to me and goes, so, <laughs> how'd you make that, that head explode? Yes, <laughs> I remember that all too well. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, as far as his performances mm. goes, um, outside of Nightbreed, this is a, the most substantial. Cool. Excellent. And Excellent. it's a good movie. Like, it's dark, it's twisted, the cinematography's great, and yeah, I just highly recommend it. And I already had it on the Australian DVD, mm. which the Eagle put out, but yeah, it was a yeah. pan scan kind of, of course, transfer. Yeah. It was very early generation DVD. Yeah, and uh, but this, the one I picked up is widescreen on one side of the disc. Remember, you could flip the disc uh, yes, over? Yes, of course. It's got commentary, all that kind of stuff. So, Beautiful. Yeah, on just, both sides? Yeah, the, the commentary, commentary on both yeah, sides. It does. It does. <laughs> like you can only watch the commentary on. Yeah, the but if you turn it around, the commentary plays backward on the other side, yeah. <laughs> and you summon Christophe Lambert. Yeah. <laughs> no, on the it's other like side, like Mister Magoo in your, in your in your living room. Oh, is that the TV? I oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to the pan scan uh, commentary where you only get two thirds of what I say. <laughs> this one is hosted by Zack Schneider. <laughs> Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. Glenn has asked us to talk about our recent purchases. Chad tells me I should tell you about the Tums and the <laughs> bourbon that I have bought. Now, it's probably not movie related, but I did, I watched, I did drink some of this Saturday night, texting with you all, and watched Freaky with Vince Vaughn. Is that movie related? By the way, the, the I, never mind. What? Oh, so, so I recently had a birthday. A couple people sent me some nice things. James, thank you so much for the coffee. But someone sent me this horror blanket with all the different mass murderers on it that we all seem to love and worship. That was nice. I'm going to sit here and keep my legs warm during the show. Who's next? James, go. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I buy stuff. I did recently buy the 7% solution on uh, Blu-ray special edition, but this is something I bought just for myself. Uh, Strange Caddish, which is a book that has Harlan Ellison, Neil Gaiman, uh, several other people. Clifford Meth is, uh, has this, and what's kind of cool about it was Clifford uh, Meth. Clifford Meth. He is an author. Yes, he's, he's listed there, but this is actually from a collection he had. And it is conveniently signed by both him and Ellison. And I got that recently. As well as if you've never listened to the series um, uh, Run for the Stars, this is Harlan Ellison. He did a series of stories set during a obviously fictional war in space. Uh, they've been talked about adapting them into film several different times. Has not happened. 
but he did do an audio recording of it. I do recommend checking that out. So that's two things I bought for myself recently that could be films. All right, Jed. All right, so mine's not a film either. Uh, the the last thing I purchased, I'm still awaiting to arrive in the mail. Uh, I am a huge animation freak. I love cartoons. So what does that have to do with your mail order, Brad? <laughs> and does she know you're already married? She's a, she's a cartoon in a magazine. And we're getting <laughs> married on Sunday. Um, no, um, but uh, I love cartoons. I have a huge collection. And I also collect animation cells. And I was able to uh, find a animation cell from of throttle from biker mice from mars which is an obscure cartoon that's basically a a, kind of a ripoff of it is a ripoff of teenage mutant ninja turtles because instead of pizza they they love chili dogs so uh i am wait so the are they like this so the street sharks like hamburgers right right is there who like corn dogs no one no one Uh, are you sure about the radioactive hamsters (laughs) i just don't like corn dogs i'm not a big fan of corn dogs either i do love chili dogs i like hot i like chili dogs and i like cornbread but the two should not get together because that's satanism and then put on a stick if roger corman made them and they called them corman dogs would you at least try one i would take a picture of one going in my mouth so yes that is he would eat it so yeah that's my my purchase is a, an animation cell of throttle from biker mice from mars i'm very excited to get it hung up on my wall this has been bonehead weekly fun size go out and buy me some shit for my late birthday yay you know i think those guys have sort of um wo- wo- they've woven themselves into the fabric of this show mm. um i can't imagine good movie monday without them so much love to joe chad and james and you can send your support directly to them by finding their podcast, Bonehead Weekly, wherever you get your podcast from. Theirs is a much longer format, obviously, and I um, highly recommend it. All right, we're going to, in the home stretch here, Ben, do you want to lead the charge on what you've re- recently purchased? All right, so my last one is the, once again, Kino Lawber, I seem to have, yeah. <laughs> their, uh, their Studio Classic line is bringing out a whole bunch of awesome shit. Um, and. Uh, this one, Eight Million Ways to Die, uh, starring Jeff Bridges and Rosanna Arquette, and um, Andy Garcia and Alexandra Paul. That's uh, an incredible very, cast. The very attractive <laughs> Alexandra Paul uh, turned up in this one. It's based on a Lawrence Block. I don't know if it's actually based on one of the books or it's the character in general. This character, Ma- Max Scooter, um, who's like a private eye type ex-DEA kind of cop who gets you know, always mixed up in weird things in the, in the book series. And this is actually the second series of books, I believe, that um, has been based on that, that Lawrence Block has yep. turned into a movie because he did Burglar where they oh, right. they sure. changed the character from ah, man to woman. that's right. The Whoopi yeah. Goldberg movie. M- m- movie. A movie. But this one, it's very much kind of in that kind of it, 52 it, it, pickup. The Bobcat Goldthwaite movie. Yes. Right? No, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Depends a, which version, though, because the video cover and I know. <laughs> sometimes he's on the back of the back, sometimes he's not. He's, not, yeah, he's right. another one I tried to reach out to recently. Oh, man, he'd be great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, not for the show. Just tried to reach out. To oh him. yes, <laughs> I, I haven't heard from you for a while. How you doing? You, you still alright, man? Can we be friends? Yeah. Thanks for the ride. <laughs> yeah, totally. So this, and I believe this is actually the last film that was directed by Hal Ashby. All right. Cool. Um, 
And it's a very, very much in that kind of um, live and die in LA slash 52 pickup kind of vein, like a seedy kind of Los Angeles. Almost uh, noir, noirish. Yes, very yeah. much, very much so. And he's like a, he's like a ex, like a ex-DA kind of alcoholic private investigator who's trying to get his shit together. Um, and he kind of gets involved in this kind of... How many movies have ways to die in the title? Like, there's been a few of those. <laughs> I'm, sure there's, I'm sure there's a gazillion. And um, like, it's pretty good. It's actually like a pretty decent kind of thriller. Uh, I was I was pleasantly surprised. I had not seen it before. I had the VHS tape for years. Yep. And uh, never bothered to watch it. But um, I, I popped it on uh, when this came up. I couldn't wait to see it. Uh, and it does actually... Um, it's got a bunch of extras, which are great. <laughs> but you, we're not going to tell you what they are. We're not going to tell you what they are. You're going to have to find it. Yeah. One, of the, one of the good ones with uh, Alexandra Paul, <laughs> she does talk about how she, uh, in the... In the scene, I can't remember if she actually, there's a, she's required to do nudity in the film. And she was like, she was quite happy to do it because they had it for the rest of it. She's in, she's like playing like this kind of high priced kind of call girl. And she's like, she thought she looked better nude than she did in the clothes that they put her in. So she <laughs> Whoa, was, that's like, great. Like, happy, happy to do the nude scene. That's terrific. Uh, and it's like, it just great because usually in, in extra features, they don't touch upon that kind of stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. They kind yeah. of avoid it. And in this one, she's like, no, no, no. Very open. If only Kevin Costner felt that way in Robin Hood. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, I'm going to go next um, before Jarrett can bring it home. Uh, At Close Range, which is um, the James Foley film from 1986, part of the imprint um, series, starring Sean Penn, Christopher Walken. I think this is Christopher Walken's best film. I don't know if you guys would agree, but it's Mm, terrifying. What a cast. It's a sucker punch of a film. Um, Mary Stuart Masterson. Crispin Glover, Sean Penn, Stephen Jeffries, a.k.a. Uh, ben, I'm sure you know his other name. I can't remember. Screen name? Uh, something it's, Ritter? It's, Is it yeah. something Ritter? Yeah. Cock Ritter? Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's also a gay porn star. Yeah. Um, Kiefer Sutherland, fr- David Strathan. Fraternity vacation. <clears throat> no, I know, man. Uh, I don't know what more to say about this film. It is just mm. the sucker punch of a film. I love it. Uh, there is a the scene that really strikes me the most, if you've never heard the behind-the-scenes stories, right at the end there's a showdown between Christopher Walken and um, Sean Penn, and Sean Penn pulls a gun on Christopher mm. Walken in the kitchen. And behind the scenes, Christopher Walken apparently is famous in Hollywood for having a fear of guns in general. Wow. And he okay, has the that. safety inspectors go over the props really, really thoroughly mm. to make sure that it is a prop gun, blah, blah, blah. And as they called action... Sean Penn switched it for a different gun and then they kept rolling. So his reaction wow. in the film is his actual fear of having a wow. gun put to his head. Yeah. It was another prop gun, but it was just but not still, the one yeah, that had been inspected. if he wasn't accustomed to it and wasn't aware of it, of yeah. he's going to... So that yeah. scene, when you watch it with that in mind, is wow, just absolutely something else. So That's a great that's <clears> a great addition too. Imprint are doing some really good things locally. With and, but the thing, James yeah. Foley came from that and then he yeah. ended up making you know, the Fifty Shades sequels and oh, stuff like I know, that. It's kind of sad, isn't it? It's sad when you see someone that's like a bit of a titan of cinema, you know, yeah. comes out and does these really important, great films of the period. Yeah. And then now is relegated to directing. Yeah. I mean, he's still making know, a lot of money yeah. and he's being creative oh, yeah, no, into yeah, to some regards, I, but he's, it's not not the, the no, labor of shame. love, passion project. You hope that the legacy is remembered for the body of work that came before, yeah. you know, needing to do the renos on the house. That's and, it. You know, get the kids into college sort of, you know, movies. 
But yeah, good to know that he's still working. Yeah. You know, that's and it came at that time when there were other films similar like River's Edge and things like oh, that where yeah. it was all this really gritty, grimy kind of really gritty teenage stories. Really period in time, that mid-80s to have those movies. Charlie <sighs> Sheen did that one. What with Maxwell Caulfield, The Boys Next Door, was it? Boys Next Door. Yeah. There's so many gritty films from that era and they're so good to watch because it's a stark contrast to the John Hughes stuff that was happening and I, bo- I love both of them. But it's great to know that there was, was you know, that two things, oh, two polarizing sides of teenagers. I'm not going to be able to come peril. up with the title, so this is probably not even worth mm. bringing up. But what's the one with Keanu Reeves he made just before River's Edge, where he played where the, his friend committed suicide off the cliff? My own private Idaho. <laughs> no, yes, uh, no. I'm not I can't remember what it it's is. Not the night before. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Google that synopsis. Yeah. Um, Keanu Reeves, his best mate commits suicide, and then mm. it becomes this teen drama about how his group of friends overcome it. Yeah, try to deal with it. Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Jarrett, you're okay. Up. My my last one is this amazing edition that BFI have done in the UK for Lahaine. Oh yes, um, the hate, as it's known in English, but I don't think I think maybe in America. I don't know it's called anyone the hate. that I don't know anyone that knows no. it as the hate. No, I think maybe the US. You know, I mean, they they had the American film Pret a Porter and they had to title it Ready to Wear, even though it was an American production for an American filmmaker. Incredible well, debut feature from uh, Matthew. <laughs> Here comes a hot stepper. <laughs> and Vincent Cassell, and it was yeah. just such a. I remember seeing this at the movies because, thankfully, I think this was only M or maybe I was MA actually when it came out. I think it was in year ten or Wasn't eleven. Wasn't R? I thought it was R. No, it was it was borderline because it came out around the same time as Kids. Okay, and Kids was R. Yeah, and so I was able to see this, and I just blew my mind. Mm. Like it was just poetic, beautiful to watch, and just yeah, it just I hadn't quite seen anything like this. Um, now it's got a 4K restoration from the BFI, and they've loaded it with special features. They've got a booklet. They've got a. It's it's, it's chunky. just an amazing addition for the film, yeah. And it looks incredible because I think it was shot. I think it was shot on 16 mil. Um, you know, obviously in black and white and whatnot. It just looks stunning. Like it's a it's a beautiful. What a career that one launched in Vincent Cassell. Oh, for Vincent Cassell, yeah. yeah. I was saying for Matthew uh, Kasselwitz, he, he didn't do too many great <laughs> yeah. films after this. Got that Crimson Rivers was not really the best film to follow. Yeah, it was not good. Is that Jean no. Renault, that one? That's yeah. not a and, great and, film. And uh, Vincent Cassell as well. Yeah. And then they but did I a think, sequel to it as well. I think where he fell down is that mm. after that movie, Vincent Cassell signed a deal with the French film industry. That yes. That he had to be in every French film <laughs> it was, that it, was being made. It was, it was pretty much um, Gerard Depardieu came out of his contract and they needed the new guy the to new step one. in. Well, what was Jean Renault? What, where, where the fuck was he? Oh, uh, because yeah, yeah, he was just pollinating was, any flower that would he take. Just, he, he went overseas. He <laughs> yeah, he did. He did just. He arriving. was doing like Ronan and or whatever at the time. <laughs> just visiting. Uh, just visiting yeah, the remake. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but a, a startling addition, like wow. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a nice chunky mm. one. That looks great. Uh, do you guys reckon that that Adam buys physical media? He'd have to, wouldn't he? I know he's always talking about things on streaming. Uh, don't tell me he doesn't buy physical media. Let's find out. Hey guys, it's Adam here from Adam's Just Seen and Triple M and a couple of other places for our good Movie Monday recommendation. Now this week we are doing movies that we have recently purchased. Now I'm going to jump around that and say that this is a movie that I paid for. I have stopped collecting physical media. It actually really upsets me, um, but I have lent too many movies away. I have got too many streaming services. I'm just not on top of it the way that I used to. I dedicated basically about half of my life to collecting media and maybe... I'll get back to it. And if I was, I'd be buying the hard copy of this movie that I paid to go and see at the classic St. Maud. Now, I thought that this is the most incredible horror movie. It messed with me for days. Uh, you've got Morpheth Clark here, who is playing the titular Maud. He's a carer who is taking care of a uh, dying 
dancer in a seaside town and what happens is that we go into a battle of wills between these two characters. There is religious iconography, there is sheer terror, there is twists and turns. Uh, it's a mortifying piece and an incredible debut by writer-director Rose Glass. This yeah, just got under my skin in the most kind of incredible way. Uh, and I think that, you know, obviously Jennifer Eel playing Amanda here has already arrived, but Morpeth is such an incredible actress that, that you can't forget her performance in this. Um, it It's almost hard to pin down what type of horror this is because it's it's like floating around three or four different subgenres. But I mean, basically, if you're into any kind of horror, you're going to get a kick out of this. Um, beautifully shot. Yeah something that will stick with you check it out I, I, I like movies now and then that i i always try and do this forward guessing thing and i'm like how far is this movie going to push and now and then i see something that doesn't only push now where i think it's going to but it just kind of kicks the trap door out from under me and i go holy shit i didn't know it was going to get this wild this is one of those movies so five stars from me check it out immediately Adam Ross, chairman of the Australian Film Critics Association, and in case you didn't notice, Triple M and Ticker TV and ABC Radio, and you can find him on Facebook on the Adam's Just Seen page. Always good value. Thanks, mate. Uh, so as we enter our final stretch here, I just wanted to give a quick um, shout out and mention to Simon Sherry, the guy responsible for yeah. so much of the incredible artwork and exclusive Umbrella releases, notably the Beyond Genres titles. Uh, Simon left Umbrella this week and goes on to other things. And I just wanted to stop and send our regards because he's a friend of the show. Yes. He was on one of our early incarnations early. of the show, the yeah. fakeshemp.net podcast. Yeah. Um, so I just want to wish him the best of luck with what he's doing mm. and um, all the best. So good luck to him. And now uh, we also do a quick whip around of what's playing at the Astor, uh, simply because Astor are friends of ours and um, support us with some giveaway stuff, which we have coming up. So for those who are not in Melbourne, the Astor is a classic repertoire theatre dedicated to playing classic and cult films, mostly in double bills. So tonight, which is Monday, April 5th, they've got uh, Once Upon a Time in the West at 7.30. Tuesday night, they've got Willy's Wonderland and Jiu-Jitsu at 7.30, which I haven't seen Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, Wednesday, Willie's Wonderland again with Mum and Dad. That feels like a much better fit. That's a better fit. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at seven thirty each of those nights, they're playing the thirty fifth anniversary of Blue Velvet. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And I think they're playing they're playing that off on a film print too. I'm pretty sure too. It might be thirty five mil that they're playing. I would love to yeah. see that one on the big screen. And right, then on maybe. Sunday, uh, they wrap the week up with the Maltese Falcon eightieth anniversary screening. Ah. So it is. Uh, I think uh, maybe by the time the show drops. They will have announced their next catalogue. We can talk about that on the next show. Oh, I, I just want to mention, though, they are going to be doing, I saw this announced, Zach announced it the other day, they're doing a marathon of the Skywalker saga of Star Wars, which means at, it runs at 20.5 hours. That's amazing they're doing it, yep. but I can't imagine sitting anywhere for that long. I like, I, I just, <laughs> 20.5 hours... I, I don't know. I can't. There are people I that just, will do it. I know. That, well, they do the Lord uh, of the Rings. They do the Hobbit. The I Harry mean, Potter ones. Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. Harry so one, two, two nine films, 20.5 hours. Bring an ass cushion. Yeah, bloody hell. <laughs> oh, well, I saw Adam did the Lord of the Rings there at the Astor, and I saw a picture. He took a cushion with him. Yeah. yeah. Smart decision. Yeah. Takes you back to the old cinema lock-ins. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, I miss that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have a massive uh, bundle of giveaways today. So... Um, as well as an Astor pass, we're also giving away a free pass to the Lunar Drive-In. That's a carload of up to seven people seated legally. And on top of that, uh, to help you build up your own collection, we have Blu-ray double pack from Umbrella, consisting of Bad Boy Bubby and Blood Vessel. And then we have, thanks to Eagle Entertainment, new releases, Blu-rays of Coma, Skyfire and Breach. 
to score this banger prize pack, we want you to share your most recent purchases with us on Facebook. So drop us a comment in this episode's post, preferably with photos. The winner will be selected at random and we'll also award the runners-up with uh, with some free movies too. Um, <laughs> all right, so that brings us to the end. Guys, did you want to have a quick whip-through of what else you've purchased recently without too much um, yeah. diversion? Um, do the right thing on 4K UHD from the US. Universal's released it. It looks stunning. Amazing film. Then uh, one I'd recommend is the Hammer Films collection from Mill Creek. It has 20 Hammer Films. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, what films are in there? Yeah, but then you'd have run to run through the title. Um, the beauty is that... It features a lot of the films that are in the indicator sets from the UK, but this will only set you back about $80 as opposed to about $90 a set where you only get four films. So admittedly, you do, don't do get any of the special features and you're getting two films per disc, so it's a little bit more Does that have like it's some of those it. really gory sort of 70s ones as no, well? No, this is mainly the stuff. A lot of this stuff's the Columbia stuff yeah, from right. like the late 50s gotcha. through to the 60s. Um, this one's going to Netflix on April 14th, Love and Monsters, but I couldn't wait and had to pick it up on 4K. I picked this up... Oh, it must have been in January or so. Or I'm February. dying to watch it. It's really good. Yeah. And Australia's Dan Ewing features, and it was shot at the Gold Coast. It's really good. It's been nominated for an Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. Incredible. Incredible. And then the last one I just want to plug is Mindwarp. <laughs> it's just come out on Eureka uh, in the UK. and the uh, commentary on that Well, that, it's funny you say that. It's, <laughs> it's Tony Timpone from Fangoria, and this guy, I get to I get to moderate the conversation with him. On the back of the cover, it actually does say like a, a feature-length interview with Tony Timpone, which is, is great. It? But on the menu, it says a commentary. And I did see one review going, this is just a bloody feature-length interview. And I'm like, well, that's the way they sold it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was really can good you, getting to talk about this movie. Can you moderate him. a conversation with one person? Yeah, this would be like, slow it down, buddy. Come on, <laughs> give it a go. Actually, no, Back we did It wasn't topic. just him. I might admit that Archie was in the background and he did a fair bit of snoring as well. So <laughs> there was a lot of editing <laughs> in that commentary to remove as many snores as possible. Haven't seen one review come out and mention the snoring. So I think we did something right. It's, it's definitely not something you want mentioned with. No, my warp out on Eureka. You can get it on Amazon. You get it on Zavi. Five snores. Um, totally worth it. Yeah. yeah. Ben. Uh... There's a couple more, couple more um, uh, Kino Lorber classics I picked up. I the Jury, <laughs> which I'm not a big, it's not like I'm a huge fan of the label, but they are mm. releasing some really good stuff. They're releasing the stuff that Arrow and you know some of the other labels like Criterion and that um, don't sort of look at because they're not quite that tier of cult classic or yeah. they're somewhere in between. Yeah, which I mean, I which I, is great. Degree, We're in between kind of guys. We like a lot of these. These are films <laughs> yeah. that get forgotten otherwise. I mean, I think they. I think these should be. But yeah. yeah. Okay. Arrow. Arrow sometimes releases stuff. You're like, oh, what's on this guy? Like uh, yeah, pitch black. Like the whole <laughs> like Arrow what? Academy line sometimes. Like, yeah. Man, I don't get this. Yeah. But um, anyway, but either jury, uh, written by Larry uh, Larry Cohen, based on a Mickey Spillane novel, starring Amanda Sante and Barbara Carrera, and uh, favorite of mine, Lorraine Landon. Oh yeah, batshit crazy. Lorraine. I'd love to hear her talk about that film. Uh, yeah. Hey, what do you think? It was only in it. <laughs> it is. It is. It is pretty. What else you got there? Super sleazy. Uh, five Graves to Cairo. I, it, look, it's unfortunate that I picked up the Kino Lobo one actually because the uh, the Eureka one in the UK is jam packed. Well, that one's still uh, sealed, Ben. You could just put that on eBay and on, uh, yeah. yeah, swap it out. Uh, but that that is a fantastic uh, movie. It's a Billy Wilder. Uh, film Good stuff and uh, Kind Hearts and Coronets, which came out locally um, yes. through uh, Sony Classics. There's a whole series like um, yes. that label or whatever you call it. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah. I think I've got a, I've got uh, interesting. One of, you, one of your favorites, Alex. Don't Look Now. Don't Look Me. <laughs> the Wicker Man. That's on there. Interesting yeah. artwork on those. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's very kind yeah. of strange pop arty sort yeah. of stuff. Um, yeah. Although this actually, I, I believe, this is actually some of the original artwork anyway. Like I don't mm. know if that was created specifically for this release, but this is a great one. Alex, um, Alec Guinness plays like mm. the like it's it's about this guy who um, he's kind of been uh, disinherited from his family because his mother married a penniless musician rather than you know the thing. So he's like the um, tenth in line to inherit this barony, and uh, so in in revenge because they disinherit him and don't, won't let his mother be buried in the family tomb. Yep. He decides to bump bump them off, yep. bump all the ten people in his way uh, to becoming the thing. And they're all played by Alec Guinness. <laughs> like the men, the women, yeah. they're like the father, there's a father and son. It's all Alec Guinness. And he, he was doing um, Nutty Professor and all that long before. Long before, <laughs> yeah. Eddie Murphy. You know. yeah. well, but it's an Ealing film and it sits probably like with Lady Killers and Lavender Hill Mob. Yeah. It is, yeah. A, like it is a... I, to quote Keith, it is a stone cold classic. It's a yeah. classic of British cinema. It's hilarious. It's still so dark and very funny for a film that was made like what? What year is it? Nineteen fifties? Earlier? That's a good question. Let's yeah. just say fifties. Yeah, we'll just say sometime in the fifties <laughs> for the fact checkers out there. On the back there. No, but nothing. It's directed there. by um, Robert Hamer, who also did uh, School mm. for Scoundrels, the original. Oh, love School for Scoundrels. Awesome. All time classic. The original, stone, not the not the stone cold not the John Heater. No. Billy oh, Bob no. Thornton one. But that <laughs> well, was okay. You know, I don't hate it. Well, guys, um, that is that is about it. Jarrett, uh, you should come out and hang out, hang out at the desk anytime you yes, want, mate. Yes, I'll come back. It's always sure. fun. Ben, you can take or leave it. It's up to you. <laughs> 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 yeah. No, mate. Yeah. You're worth your weight in gold. Thank you. Um, oblig- That's a lot of gold. <laughs> <laughs> Obligatory thanks to Eagle Entertainment, Umbrella Entertainment, Luna Drive-In, Astor Theatre and Four Pillars Gin. Thank you for listening, everyone. Please share the show across your social media platforms. Join us on Facebook and YouTube uh, for our midweek video uploads. Definitely make sure that you are join us next week because we have a very special guest, Hollywood director Neil Marshall, Ooh. who you know previously made The Descent and Dog Soldiers. He'll be here discussing his new film, The Reckoning. Uh, shut up, guys. And um, <laughs> we'll be leaving you with The Inside Game by Royal Tribe. Who are the uh, the rat bag scallywags in high fidelity? It's uh, it's a movie about collecting shit. So why not mm. have a good one, folks? We'll catch you next week. Bang.